Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Well, you think the top story is inauguration, do you? You think the top story is the 20,000, 25,000 troops in Washington, D.C. for the little bit of theater that's going on to make you think there's big danger coming. I didn't say we shouldn't have security. 20,000, 25,000 troops. I haven't seen a theatrical production this big since Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. You think it's the pardons that could be coming today from President Trump. Oh, you know, there are going to be pardons. Maybe Lil Wayne. Maybe Lil Wayne's going to finally be able to say, you know what, I got all that behind me. Let's go to work. That could very well be it. The pardons. We'll see how much President Trump isn't a part of the swamp. When you see some of the people on the list. I mean, this is it, people. One day more. Another day, another destiny. Literally 24 hours from now, it's President Joe Biden. These men who seem to know my crime will surely come a second time. One day more. Sorry, I just can't listen to Eddie Redmayne sing. I'm a boy with standards. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. No, maybe uh, your top story is going to be the pressure that we're going to start seeing from Iran and from uh, China. What was the story uh, about another? There we go. Some more arrests going on in, in Iran. Maybe seeing the kind of pressure they can put on Joe Biden to get back in the Iran nuclear deal like he needs any pressure. Oh, he's dreaming of doing that. None of those things are the top stories. What, COVID relief funds? The economy? The markets? You? No, that none of that's the top story. Here's the top story. Deborah Messing from the show Will and Grace will boycott any show or network that platforms Kaylee McEnany. <laughs> Top story of the day. Where where is my hysteria sounder? We need to sound the alarm that America is about to get divided in a way we cannot describe because Deborah Messing, who's been in movies you cannot even name, has decided that if somebody puts Kelly McEnany on, the White House press secretary, she won't watch. Holy crap, what? My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! Wait, 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 wait. What's going on? Holy crap, I am freaking out. What is it like to be so self-important as to think that is the thing you put out there. I I, I want to be the first to say, uh, I would like to have Kelly McEnany on the show tomorrow at 12.02, just so I know, oh, well, 12.06, just so I know that we will be boycotted by Deborah Messing. Just so I can check that one off the list. At least Deborah Messing isn't listening. Woo. You know, I've never had Kelly McEnany on the show. I've never even tried. Yeah, we wouldn't need to. 
even before she was press secretary, I never tried. I never had anything against her. Lovely. It said, I know what answer I'm going to get. I never understood why I would talk to somebody when you when I know exactly what I'm going to get. What's the point? I can just say what they're going to say and then discuss it without having to go through the, through the shenanigans. I had Kellyanne Conway on the show once. Once. That was enough. Kellyanne Conway has never been my person. Lovely. Always say hello. I don't mind the fighter. My gosh, I don't mind the fighter at all. It's that I learned in the interview that she is so used to getting hit that she responds to everything in such a way that even my casual questions, I didn't, I didn't even get into the probing stuff, were met with such force. It was like, okay. You too much of the walls up. You've got a job to do, and I can appreciate that tremendously. I cannot imagine the amount of slings and arrows you take on an hourly basis. But I'm not the guy throwing slings and arrows, and I don't want to be treated like the guy uh, throwing slings and arrows. So, boom, I'm going to stay out of it. But I, I don't want anybody deplatforming or or not saying, "Hey, we shouldn't have Kelly McEnany on. Put her on. Feel free." Don't, don't worry about the Deborah messing threat of her not watching. She won't do a show. <laughs> this, this just in Fox News. Deborah messing isn't going to do a show on Fox News Channel if you have Kelly McEnany on. <laughs> I, I, do, I have no idea what Greg Gutfeld is going to do for a co-star now. Really and truly don't. Ah, oh, it's precious. But there's a learning lesson in there, and it is the lesson of boycotts. It's not something the political right does well. It's something that the political right has to learn to do. I wish it wasn't the case. i give you an example. Ibram Kendi got a deal at Netflix. Who's Ibram Kendi? He's the guy who teaches anti-racism. Anti-racism is racism, you see. It teaches that you confront past discrimination with discrimination, present discrimination with discrimination, and future discrimination with discrimination. What in the world is future discrimination? Well, future discrimination could be anything. But if to meet it with discrimination, that means someone who hasn't discriminated against you yet gets discriminated against now, so you're already in a position to fight them when they discriminate against you in the future? Never mind the fact that he's a, an, an anti-capitalist, yet he gets $20,000 for an hour-long Zoom lecture. Jack Dorsey from Twitter gave him $10 million to lead his anti-racist research. Anti-racism falls into uh, lines of, of thinking with critical race theory, which says that you have to find racism in everything. There is bigotry in everything, and you just have to figure out where it, it kind of connects. Anti-racism teaches that people are born racists. The idea of systemic racism to the point where it's all around you. It's how we breathe. If you think I'm kidding, maybe you haven't heard this from Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib on, was it, Democracy Now!, uh, and talking uh, uh, about Israel and, oh, those racists. 
I mean, I think it's really important to understand Israel is a racist state uh, and that they would uh, deny um, Palestinians like my grandmother access to a vaccine, that they don't believe that she's an equal human being that deserves to live, deserves to be able to be protected by this global pandemic. Um, and, and it's really hard to watch as this apartheid state continues to uh, deny their own neighbors, uh, the people that breathe the same air they breathe, uh, that live in the same communities. You could put a settlement wherever you want, but on the other side of that wall is a farm community, a village where my grandmother lives, uh, and many of our you know, various family members and others that I know um, are, are trying to, again, to live a good life. To why isn't Hamas providing the vaccines? And why aren't you upset with them, Rashida Tlaib? This anti-Semite that is allowed to parade around Congress as a noble woman, as a decent person, but you'll notice there's no context to anything. It's just call them racist, call them bigots, call them an apartheid state. That's all you have to do, dehumanize them so the attack can happen. Isn't that exactly what's happening in the United States against the right, by the political left, in those positions of power in academia and, and in entertainment? It's about dehumanizing and then destroying. The idea that Israel should ensure equal COVID-19 access to Palestinians, uh, uh, allow me uh, to to dig in uh, just a bit. First, I can go to the Jerusalem Post from December 21st, 2020. We didn't ask Israel for, for the COVID-19 vaccine. The Palestinian Authority, with the help from the World Health Organization, has managed to secure the vaccine from other sources. That's the headline. Right? That's the headline. I am actually a believer that the vaccine should be given, for example, in the United States to people who are here illegally. Because I believe that when you deal with a health issue, you don't worry about the other things. You simply make sure the health and well-being of American citizens is taken care of. I believe this. So if you were to ask me, do I have an issue with Palestinians being vaccinated? Not in the slightest, not in any single way. But the question should be, why isn't Hamas doing this? Why aren't the Iranians paying for vaccines for Palestinians? Maybe people like Rashida Tlaib should grow up and recognize that the Palestinians are used as pawns. They're not even thought of as people by the Iranians. The Palestinians themselves are fighting back, and they're the ones getting their heads broken in. Maybe Rashida Tlaib doesn't actually care about her grandmother, as she says. Now, maybe she does, and she's just got an odd way of showing it. But I'd be more angry at the people cracking skulls of Palestinians than the Israelis when we have news sources saying, oh, by the way, they didn't ask us. They said they've got it from other places. A senior official with the Palestinian Authority Ministry of Health said that the Palestinians do not expect Israel to sell them or purchase on their behalf the vaccine from any country. Telling the Jerusalem Post that the Palestinians will soon receive nearly 4 million Russian-made vaccines against COVID-19. Okay. By the way, you know what there's no vaccine for? The, The bombs that go off in buses. There's no vaccine for the assassination of children while they sleep. 
There's no vaccine for the rockets that fire into Israel. Uh, the Iron Dome has been, I got to admit, pretty successful. We deal with a lot of madness from a lot of people who really think that they sit on the side of morality. Rashida Tlaib, Representative Tlaib, does not sit on the side of morality. Deborah Messing (laughs) does not sit on the side of morality. But Rashida Tlaib leads boycotts against Israel in terms of boycott, divestment, and sanction, also known as BDS. And Deborah Messing wants to lead boycotts against anybody who supports Kaylee McEnany. Maybe the right needs to learn how to boycott. Netflix has an anti-racist getting programming and getting paid. Maybe the boycott should be against them. Maybe the boycott should be against anybody who puts Deborah Messing on the air. And maybe the boycott should be against those companies that actually support an anti-Semite like Rashida Tlaib. If this is the world where we must fight fire with fire, take a breath, know the data, and then feel free not to buy those products. I'm Tony Katz. So they are expecting that Trump could grant up to 100 pardons and commutations. And who is on the list? The Tiger King dude? He's not on the list, but like apparently his people, Joe Exotic from Tiger King, his people have been lobbying, and apparently they're very confident, so much so that they have a limo ready to pick him up at jail. Now, the limo is the best story. Tony Katz, by the way. How are you? Tony Katz today on Facebook. Tony Katz Radio is still there. Parlor, when it comes back, parlor.com. The, the phone number, did I say 833-GOT-TONY? 833-468-8669. There is this huge SUV limo waiting for him. I knew about this, but do you know why the limo is waiting for him? Because he's the most extra person on earth. Close. The limo is not only waiting for him, but there will be drapes. And the reason is he does not want to be seen by the press until he has his hair done. So I was pretty, that was pretty good guess. Like that's just, that's just flat out insane. There are always pardons that come at, at, at the end, right? There's always this slew of them. And some of them we can agree with, and some of them are despicable. For example, uh, Bill Clinton pardoning Mark Rich is one of the more despicable ones in American history. They're already talking about people on this list uh, for, for Trump that absolutely positively should not be done. Should, there, should not in any way be done. And, and, and we'll get into it. Throughout, we're also going to get into, as we were talking about all of the uh, military that we we have at the Capitol, that there are no threats. You know, they shut down in my state of Indiana. They shut down the Capitol for a couple days. They stopped the session of the General Assembly. But here's the notification from the FBI in Indianapolis. For Indiana, we have no direct, articulable, or credible threat targeting the state. However, this could change at any moment, so we remain vigilant. That's correct. You remain vigilant. Why are we closing things down? Because somebody else somewhere said something? This is a question of whether or not it's really about safety.
And I don't like to go about saying that the governor of Indiana, Eric Holcomb, or the Indiana State Police are, are uh, saying, hey, uh, safety, schmafety, it just looks good. I, I don't see any of them as those kinds of people. But if I was a member of the General Assembly, I would demand to be in session. One of the things that you have to do is continue to do. You do not give in to terrorists. Tony, are you calling them terrorists? No. I'm using that as the all-purpose example of a point to be made. Some people want to threaten violence, so you don't, what, go to work? No, 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 no. People are threatening violence against the political right all day, all night, all the time. I go to work. Now, you could say to me, Tony, don't you work from your home? It's super comfortable. I will admit, it is super comfortable. I love every bit of it. Producer Ari, don't you love the fact that I work from home? No, I hate it. I still go to the studio. I still go out. I still live my life. But I don't think my life is more in danger now. I think it is as equally much so that someone could decide to hate you and go after you like it was in year one of Trump or year two or year three. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm a practitioner of the Second Amendment. But I find it even weird amongst my in in my own life that I'm I'm aware of my surroundings all the time. Now I grew up this way. I grew up aware of my surroundings. I was taught to be aware of my surroundings. I knew who was coming in the door. I knew where the exits were. I know how many people are sitting at certain tables. I know if somebody's staring at me too long. I'm aware. Now, I can miss things, but I've always been aware. I've always lived a life where the head is on a swivel. Because that's just about safety and security. Since I lived in Indiana, I carry a firearm. Over the last years, I carry a firearm everywhere. Including around my own home. Every now and then, it strikes me as odd and awkward. But... It also strikes me as the world has gone a little nutty, and when it's less nutty, maybe I will do things that correspond. I don't live in fear, though. You can catch me at a local cigar lounge. You can catch me at at dinner with family. You can catch me here. You can catch me doing that. Why? Because you don't live in fear. And you have to show that you don't live in fear. And that's why in Indiana, they should be back at work. Same thing with states across the country. I'm Tony Katz. The principles of homeland and security have been tremendously important in shaping my life. My father and mother brought me to this country to escape communism and to provide me with the security, opportunity, and pride that American citizenship brings to each of us. I was raised to appreciate each day what this country has meant for our family and the blessing it is to know it is our homeland. The love for this country that I learned from my parents only made the January 6th attack on our capital all the more horrifying. If I should have the honor of being confirmed, I will do everything I can to ensure that the tragic loss of life, the assault on law enforcement, the desecration of the building that stands as one of the three pillars of our democracy, the terror that you felt, your colleagues, staff and everyone present will not happen again that is alejandro mayorkas 
who is the nominee to be Secretary of Homeland Security under Joe Biden. Speaking today in front of the Senate, Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. I'm still learning a lot about these uh, these cabinet officials and where they are, where their, their uh, conversations are. He served uh, in the Department of Homeland Security as the Director of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services and then as the Deputy Secretary under Barack Obama. And one thing that we know and we see is that so many of these people incoming are all Obama holdovers, every single one of them. They're, they're, they're all the same group of people, from the chief of staff, Ron Klain, to Mayorkas. Uh, I think Samantha Power has got a position in here. All the same people. No new blood. No new thoughts. Same old boring thoughts. One of the interesting things is I wonder how this moves the progressives. I had made the argument that progressives don't vote for a moderate. I made that argument repeatedly, and that was, of course, before coronavirus hit, and I think certainly changed a fair amount of the landscape. But one still can ask whether or not the progressives are happy with these Biden picks. Certainly, you can listen to progressives like Representative Ocasio-Cortez if you want to just, you know, do that to yourself. And she's not happy, but she's never, she's never happy, Right? She's only happy when she's making Instagram videos. She doesn't ever seem truly happy about anything. Uh, she seems to be somebody who's totally okay with the full-on destruction of this awful, terrible, horrible, bigoted nation, even though it is neither awful, nor, nor terrible, nor horrible, nor bigoted. But I don't know how the progressives are going to feel about what it is they see. One of the questions that's been asked repeatedly, producer Ari asked me before the, uh, before the show began, the odds that Joe Biden finishes his term. Oh, place your bets. I mean, right, you got to have the, the boxes, right? I'm not, I'm not good at the betting. So you need the day, the time, and the hour, and then possibly the manner that Joe Biden steps away. Trust me, this is a bet. This is a serious conversation. How many people you know of discussing the fact that Biden's going to be president for two and a half years and he'll step aside? Or four months that he's going to step aside. That he's not going to be up to the rigors of the job. That what we saw in the campaign and the reason they hid him in the basement is because there's a real issue at play. I think there's a real issue at play, and I think people are, are rational when they discuss it. I don't plan on uh, diagnosing the man because I'm not a doctor and you can't diagnose, and so I have no ability to do so. And I don't listen to people on TV do it because you can't diagnose the patient you don't have in front of you. You don't diagnose somebody you're seeing on TV, right? Even when you hear the stories of, hey, I noticed a lump on your neck and it turns out to be cancerous, that's not a diagnosis, they saw something. You then went to your doctor to get a diagnosis. See how that works? It didn't stop people and doctors from diagnosing Donald Trump, but that's the despicableness of, 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 a, of a media apparatchik, right? An absolute insidiousness. It's funny, I got an email uh, t today because I was talking on my morning show about journalists calling out uh, the silencing of free speech, and their point was, uh, them themselves being a journalist, their point was, you shouldn't have journalists saying things about this. This is exactly what you don't want. I think it is true that I don't want journalists to engage in commentary, which happens far too often, and they are too often given the pass as if somehow as a journalist we should be listening to them. I think we should listen to journalists when they share stories and facts and data with us.
I don't think that journalists who want to be in the commentary game necessarily deserve that same respect. But was I wrong in, in, in pushing the idea that, you know, journalists should be speaking out against this? Uh, no, I actually don't think I am. I think that my point is still remarkably valid, that I am not asking them to agree or disagree with a person's point of view. I am not saying that so-and-so has the right to say X. I am saying that people have the right to speak their opinions, even if unpopular. That's not a controversial statement, except it is in today's society. It's anything but controversial. And when we see Parler being taken off uh, a deplatformed and things like this, I am not saying they have to comment about whether or not they like or dislike, agree or disagree, approve or don't approve what they see on Parler. Same way I would say they don't have to do it about Facebook. But rather, they should be supportive of the idea that free speech matters. And on that, I do believe not only can they be vocal, but to a large extent, they have a responsibility to be vocal because we certainly heard from the White House Correspondents Association when President Trump said to Jim Acosta, get out of here, you can't do that. The freedom of the press. Well, wait a second. Is that really different than, than Amazon, Apple, Google telling Parler, get out of here and working in a, in a way that can be seen as racketeering to do so? I, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm outside the realm here. I, I very much appreciate the idea that you don't want to have journalists engage in commentary. That is absolutely something you don't want to do. You want them to be able to be free of that, so they can continue to engage the stories. No doubt. Absolutely, positively, no doubt. But with that, they should be looking at things and saying, you know what? A society that can speak more is a better society. I don't think that's, I don't think that's asking too much at all. Uh, some of Joe Biden's picks are, uh, are indeed problematic. Not everybody do I know about, but some of them, man, they are head scratchers. And then, speaking of head scratchers, there's Johnny Manziel. I've got that story coming up. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. The last time the Senate convened, we had just reclaimed the Capitol from violent criminals who tried to stop Congress from doing our duty. The mob was fed lies. They were provoked by the president and other powerful people. And they tried to use fear and violence to stop a specific proceeding of the first branch of the federal government, which they did not like. That's Mitch McConnell just moments ago, and oh, holy heck, the mob was fed lies. Well, there's a difference between feeding lies and actually eating them. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. CNN and MSNBC have been feeding lies for four years. I just don't eat them. Some people do eat lies, though. Some people gobble them all up.
Yummy, yummy, good for the tummy. We've been talking about cabinet picks from Joe Biden. One of those picks is his Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services, Dr. Rachel Levine. Dr. Rachel Levine is transgendered. Dr. Levine is a man. Just so we're clear. Who is transgender and uses uh, female pronouns. Now, you could say to me, okay, that's a real problem for HHS uh, secretary, deputy secretary. Feel free. You have have that opinion if, if, if you will. But let's make sure we deal with our issues as we, we deal with them. The problem with the doctor is that the doctor who is just as responsible as people like Governor Andrew Cuomo for nursing home patients' deaths. For example, State Senator Doug Mastriano called for Levine's resignation on May 11th because Levine's policy of sending elderly patients back to nursing homes after receiving treatment was seen as insane, just like they did in New York because of Governor Cuomo, and they were told that they have to comply. They'll be fined if they don't comply. Please, Governor Cuomo, let us send them to the Jacob Javits Field Hospital instead of coming back to the nursing home. Nope. Let us put them on the HSS, uh, the, 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 uh, the naval ship Comfort, the U.S. naval ship, not HSS. That's <laughs> Sorry, I'm, we're not British. The U.S. naval ship Comfort so they can get care for there and not be in the nursing home. Nope. Thousands of people died in nursing homes. Janice Dean is right, and Andrew Cuomo and his team are terrible. These are the facts. Cannot be changed. So Levine said, hey, send them back to the nursing homes. And they're like, you're nuts. You're crazy. Meanwhile, Levine pulled her own mother. His own mother? Levine pulled his own mother out of a nursing home. No, no, everybody else, they got to stay in the nursing home. Everyone else, they got to go back to the nursing home. My mom, I got this. And that's disqualifying. And that's how you know Joe Biden doesn't really have it all together. Joe Biden's just desperate to have somebody who's transgender to show how woke he is. It's amazing, transgender or not, if you're on this progressive side, you really believe you're above the law. Other people die in the nursing homes, but you protected your mom. Isn't that what matters most? Dr. Levine should not be anywhere near Health and Human Services. Because if you're willing to let other people die, what do you know about servicing humans? This brings us to Johnny Manziel. In one of the weirder, stranger, I don't get it stories that are out there. The story goes, if you don't know who Johnny Manziel is, Johnny Manziel is the former quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And Johnny Manziel won a uh, Heisman Trophy. And Johnny Manziel got to the NFL and thought he was a big deal and, you know, full of, full of ego. And he was a disaster. And he was a disaster because he couldn't get out of his own way. He thought he was too good. He thought he was too special. He thought he was too important. Johnny Manziel is out of the NFL. Then he goes to the Canadian Football League. It doesn't work. He uh, ends up in, uh, not the XFL, one of those kinds of leagues. Canadian Football League. No, he was in the Canadian Football League. That didn't work. Oh, the Alliance and then he of was American in Football. the American Alliance of Football. 
something like that, or the XFL, whichever one it was, they both folded. Right? Bad timing with coronavirus and all. And he can't play there, and he's now in some fan-driven league. You realize he was drafted in 2014. He's only six years out. He could still find a way to play in the NFL. And I thought that he was working towards a level of reclamation project when he recognized that he really ruined the last years of the career of Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas is a guy who was on the offensive line who's most probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. Spent his whole career as a Cleveland Brown. Uh, no, No winning. No winning. None. Zero winning. I mean, he's won games, but no no winning seasons. I mean, just bad time to be a Cleveland Brown. And Johnny Manziel noted, and I read this in, in 2020, that he, uh, he really did waste the career of, of, of Joe Thomas by not being serious about the game of, of, of football. He really did waste the career. And I said, okay, that's a guy who has some recognition of not doing it right, and maybe there's a maybe there's a future. Maybe there's a future for that guy. I like reclamation projects. What can I say? Enter the Cleveland Browns against the Kansas City Chiefs, where the Chiefs win 22 to 17, and Patrick Mahomes got knocked out of the game. Enter uh, was it Chad Henney? And uh, actually does a pretty admirable job. I don't even think the interception, I actually, I didn't watch the game because I haven't been watching games. I watched some of the video when I was going through the story. I don't even think the interception was his fault. Showed yeah. some grit. So, I think somebody ran a wrong route or got tripped up. That's what I take it as. Beside the point. Anyway. Right? The Browns lose. So Johnny Manziel tweets out this this gif of Stephen A. Smith from ESPN sipping on a smoothie and being all, you know, that S-eating grin on his face. Like he's happy the Browns lost. Man, I, is there really that much money in being the heel? Right? It's a, that's, a, that's a wrestling term. A pro wrestling term. Maybe, but those guys are actors. This is real life. What is he... What is he talking smack to the other players on that team? They didn't do anything to him. They didn't release him from a contract. And the best is Man- Manziel uh, tweeted out, uh, I'm just petty. I'm not, I'm not even mad, just petty. Why? why? Other NFL people are going to look at that. Who wants you on their team? You're going to tell me you don't want back? You don't want the opportunity back. You don't want the money. That's madness. And the, it is that kind of thing. I mean, that's actually the kind of reason why I, I do so little with social media. I don't know how to respond to that kind of stuff. Who wants that? Like, who wants to, to, to lead that kind of life where this is what you do? And how does it help you? Man, if I thought I could, uh, you know, get places or, or build my career by being a diva, I would be a diva. Being the heel gets you paid? Maybe when you can provide results. 
Right now, you can't even provide enough likes to get you in a top 20. Social media is not the field, man. Anyway, I guess I don't have to worry about Johnny Manziel's future anymore. I'm Tony Katz.